0: So welcome or welcome back to the People of the Way podcast, a conversation for those who care for children and want to raise them in the virtues of God so that they can grow up in every way into Jesus. Uh, You can find more about us by visiting peopleoftheway.org or by going to the People of the Way Facebook group.
1: I'm uh, Sarah Cowan Johnson. I'm the executive pastor of Sanctuary Church, which is a covenant church in Providence, Rhode Island. And I'm also the daughter of... Father Lang Cowan, who, with my mom Hallie, co-founded the Abbey of the Way, which is a home and ministry of prayer and spiritual formation for leadership development. And if you'd like to know more about that Abbey, you can visit abbeyoftheway.us for more info. And in our conversation here at the People of the Way podcast, we cover three generations. So my parents' generation, my generation, and then my kids. My husband Greg and I have two boys And so dad and I here talk about how they raised me and my sister Betsy, and then how we are seeking to raise up children who walk in the way of Jesus.
0: So we think of uh, people of the way or the way of Jesus as being expressions of his virtues. Those are the attributes of God, which he wants to plant within us and within our children and our grandchildren. So it seems to have been the case throughout history and in the scripture as well, that as we adopt various spiritual practices or disciplines that God recommends to us or presents to us, and we invite our children and grandchildren to share in them with us, we believe that this puts us in a place where the Holy Spirit will plant in us and in them those virtues of Jesus, which make him the most attractive character in human history and transforms us into people who look like his children. Now, speaking of children and grandchildren, let me tell you about my grandchildren. (laughs) Sarah and Greg have given us two great ones. May I recommend this podcast for grandparents, not just for parents. Uh, Through the influence of an older grandfather friend of mine, I'm joining Sarah and Greg in helping to raise their children in Christ, and so is Hallie. And particularly, I'm doing a weekly Bible study on Zoom video uh, Mm -hmm. with each of them. The bond between grandchild and grandparent is what I call crazy love. So I've been encouraged by my older friend to capitalize on that stress-free love to help introduce my grandkids to someone who's even more awesome than I am, Mm -hmm. Jesus, and into his awesome way in life. So, grandparents, ask your children for permission to encourage your grandchildren in Christ, and parents, ask your believing parents to Assist in discipling your children in Christ.
1: Yeah, and I cannot overstate um, just how how impactful that relationship has been for both of my kids, but particularly my older son, who's been doing this now for four four years. I think five. Yeah. This is year five. Yeah. He started in kindergarten, and um, yeah, just to have another trusted adult who's you know beloved trusted adult who is um, helping him to to learn about Jesus and to walk the way of Jesus. Mm. Um, you, there's nothing better than that. So. Yeah, it's,
0: it's an amazing deal yeah. for me, too.
1: <laughs> um, so today, we want to introduce a conversation about the third virtue that we're looking at, and this is the virtue of acceptance, where we come to know that we are acceptable to God, fully accepted, fully loved, acceptable to God and to others, and where we can also demonstrate God's acceptance of those around us. But when we think of the concept of acceptance, there are a couple of pitfalls that we can run into. Um, First, we are living in what some have called a trophy culture, where we easily get caught in the trap of sort of randomly boosting the self esteem of our children, even when they've done something rather ordinary. And ironically, that can lead to a deep sense of insecurity. And dad'll talk a little bit about that later. On the other hand, we can also get caught in the trap of confusing acceptance with a hesitation to ever confront or correct behavior, and that has its own set of pitfalls. So we'll talk a little bit about more of that later. Um, But every virtue, whether it be um, contentment or forgiveness, the subjects of the first two podcasts, um, every virtue has a cultural counterfeit or perhaps even a vice such as sloth or self-justification. And so acceptance, a key virtue in the life of Jesus, can be counterfeited in certain forms of ego massaging or coddling or affirmation or ego stroking. And this is not what we're talking about when we're talking about acceptance. The scriptures tell us that God accepts us because we are made in his image, both male and female. And he shows us this in Genesis 1, when after we were created for the first time, God says, That things are not just good, but human beings are very good. It is very good. And even though we are fallen from that original state of grace due to our sin, and God doesn't shy away from letting us know about how we've fallen short of the glory he gave us, nonetheless, he tells us in Ephesians 1 that he has adopted us as his children by Jesus Christ, making us accepted in the Beloved. This is the kind of acceptance that we're talking about today, that honest and true acceptance whereby we're known for what we are and are not for the good that we do and do not do, but are nonetheless accepted and loved for who we are by God and by those important to us. And as with forgiveness, that acceptance is meant to not only go deep within us, but also to go out from us so that others can experience the blessing of being accepted for who they are by us and by our children all because we have been supremely accepted and loved unconditionally by God Mm -hmm. in Jesus. Yeah,
0: that's just the amazing thing (laughs) of the Gospel. Yes. uh, What a difference it makes in our life when we come to to believe that's actually true. So how is it that we and our children might come to know this deep acceptance by God and by others? Uh, And how do we go about passing that along? In this podcast, we discuss ways of intentionally parenting or discipling our children to help them to walk in the way of Jesus, including his way of acceptance.
1: So we'll talk a little bit more about um, how this virtue of acceptance, um, how it's lived out in each of those stages, but across all the stages in the life of a child and in the life of the family, in orienting ourselves and our children such that we can receive acceptance from God and each other and pass it along to others, we are uh, finding that the spiritual practice of blessing is one of the most powerful yeah tools in this process so we want to talk about blessing learning how to give and receive a blessing is key to our becoming accepted and accepting in a way that does more than just boost our ego but rather confirms our identity as the beloved in genesis 12 god reaches out to abram a nomadic herdsman in modern day turkey saying that he will bless Abram, who at that point was childless, and make him and his descendants a blessing to all the peoples on the earth. Abram believed this promise, and at that point he is renamed Abraham, the father of many. This concept of his being blessed to be a blessing to many others is a key part of the life of his descendant, Jesus Christ, and is also meant to be a key part of Jesus' children adopted by faith, you and me. So as we learn how to receive and give blessings from God and others, we are not only able to become accepted and to know it, but also become accepting and to show it.
0: So for just a moment, let's define what we mean by blessing. The kind of blessing we're talking about both that which the child receives and then grows to offer to others, isn't the same as the affirmation trophy culture we live in, in the West. A blessing is not about inflating the self-worth of children with constant and often untrue affirmations, since that only arouses that which is at the center of the word sin, the giant I or me of pride. It's worth noting that even though many engage in this inflated affirmation of children, even demanded of educators, the children who have been raised in this cultural system seem to manifest more depression, anxiety, and self-hatred than many previous generations. Now, there's a lot of reasons why that's Mm -hmm. happening today, but shall we at least say that the solution to that particular problem is not pour on more Mm -hmm. good words uh, and, and the kind of affirmation that is being kind of practiced. See, a blessing, on the other hand, recognizes the true intrinsic worth of others and of the self in God, created in the image of God, and it conveys the acceptance of the one who is blessing, including God. Now, there's a groundbreaking book that was done a number of decades ago. It's called The Blessing by Gary Smalley and John Trent. They wrote about how we can give a powerful blessing to our children, our spouses, our parents, our friends, and so on. In biblical times, seen in the Old Testament patriarchs and matriarchs, In the opening and closing of many of St. Paul's letters, and certainly in the ministry of Jesus, a blessing was such an important part of family and community life. The blessing, according to Smalley and Trent, has five elements, and you might wanna write this down. It's pretty simple, perhaps pretty obvious, but there's some really good stuff here. So there are five parts that they identify of a blessing, a true blessing. The first is meaningful touch, meaningful touch. Uh, in ways that show concern and affection and encouragement. Might be a hand taking a hand or hand on a shoulder, or with a family member, it can be a hand on a head. Uh, Now obviously, this meaningful touch is a touch that's welcomed, Uh, it's given permission, or it's even asked for. Mm. And if this is done with a spouse, it's a touch that's not expecting something else in return, such as a sexual favor. It's genuinely a touch that's communicating love and and value and acceptance. So that's part one. Part two, they say a spoken message of love and acceptance, of admiration and gratitude and appreciation. These are gentle words. These are kind words. The the kind of words commended in Proverbs, for example, uh, and in the New Testament. These are words, obviously, they're spoken with a relative degree of eye contact, and you know you're actually looking at somebody when you when you say this kind of thing, and and you know, it, it, it yeah, it's something a blessing is something that does every once in a while need to be spoken. You know, we mm-hmm. say, well, we bless with our actions, and we understand that, and that's good, but. You know, it's sort of like the story of the old guy, uh, you know, whose wife turns to him and says, do you love me? And he says, well, of course I love you. you say, he's, and she says, well, you never tell me. And, and he says, well, I told you so when I married you, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. I, I mean, it's that's terrible. silly, but, but it is wonderful for somebody to speak words of affirmation and encouragement, a spoken message uh, that communicates a worth. The third is attaching high value to the person and how we speak to them and treat them. The root meaning of the Hebrew word for blessing is bow the knee, which is a picture of high value. A 3rd century rabbi once said, before every human being goes a procession of 10,000 angels who sing and declare, make way for the image of God. So we attach high value in how we treat somebody else and Particularly in this context in what we say and how we gently touch. The fourth is picturing a special future for the child, whereby we honestly envision the good that they will become and the blessings that they will discover from God and be to others. Certainly in the blessings in the, in the Old Testament, we see uh, the patriarch or matriarch envisioning what's gonna be happening that's going to be good and beautiful Uh, for for their child. This is a kind of holy daydreaming with the child and for the child about the good, the honest and true good which lies ahead in Christ, full of hope and growth and love and joy. And then fifth, making an active commitment to help fulfill that blessing. So it's not just blowing words at somebody, but it's actually agreeing to partner with God so that that blessing might become true one day by being faithful to remain true to the child, the spouse, the parent, the friend. In marriage, this is what both Genesis and Jesus mean when the spouses cleave to each other. They have this active commitment, being faithfully committed to each other until death do them part. So those five things, meaningful touch, a spoken message, attaching high value picturing a special future and making an active commitment to help fulfill the blessing. That's the beautiful picture of a godly blessing of parent to child or one individual to another. Now, unfortunately, and I'm one of them, some people have missed the blessing Mm. of their parents for a variety of different reasons. The most poignant of them in the scripture is the story of Esau and the tragic story of Jacob stealing his blessing in Genesis 27. This can result in an emptiness inside or constant search for affirmation, even in my case, kind of an inner rage that I felt uh, towards towards my parents and my family. Well, in Christ, God reverses this kind of curse as he blesses us, as he sends us human agents to make his blessing real and personal. Being so blessed, we can then pass along that blessing to our children in various ways. So if you're somebody who's listening to this podcast and you're aware that you have somehow missed the blessing and you kind of have some of that bitter fruit mm-hmm. inside of you, I really encourage you to, to seek out some, somebody's help with that, mm-hmm. uh, to open up your grief, in a, in a sense, to others so that receiving the blessing of God in, in deeper measure you'll be then more equipped and more capable of passing that blessing on to your children.
1: Yeah, even just asking um, someone in your church or someone that you know well to um, stand in the place of your mother or your mm. father to give you a mother's blessing, which focuses on your identity, or a father's mm. blessing, which focuses on your...
0: Um, capability. Capability, yeah. yes,
1: your you, know, you can do it. Um, yeah. Even just asking someone to stand in their place and bless you, it, in, instead of them can be a very powerful experience yeah. but uh, for those of us who are in a place where we have children at home or children around us that we um, can actively bless um, now while they're young uh, we wanted to give you an idea of a practice that um, I grew up uh, with that mom and dad um, did you invent this or no we read didn't about invent it this. somewhere we read about it I think we
0: read it about it <laughs> in a book called Making Sunday Special, which is all about a kind of a Sabbath discipline. Karen Burton Maines is the author, it's probably out of print, hmm. but it talked about uh, the doing this kind of blessing thing that Sarah's gonna describe and we thought it sounded great to us, so we did it.
1: Yeah, so every Saturday night in our home, we would have a special Sabbath meal. So we would make a more special dinner than usual. We would light candles, we would use, you know, nice dinner plates and, nice napkins and usually a little bit more special of a meal. And um, it was just uh, setting, setting the stage for the Sabbath to arrive. And at the end of the meal, we would have this um, just intentional time of blessing one another where each child uh, would go. So there were two of us, my sister and me. We would each pick a parent on whose lap to sit. So, you know, I would sit in dad's lap and Betsy would sit in mom's lap or vice versa. So there was the meaningful touch we would be um, embraced. And then we would go around one by one and each person would be in sort of the hot seat for a minute. And all three other family members would bless that person. So when um, dad was in the hot seat, the rest of us are giving him a short blessing. Or when, you know, we were in the hot seat. So uh, the, the rules were that the blessing, and this goes to some of those other things, it's a spoken message that attaches high value. Um, it couldn't be about something that the person like, like did. It couldn't be about their activity or their um, like something that they were good at or that they um, kind of. It couldn't be about their activity. it had to be about who they were as a person, which is actually quite
0: It's not easy challenging
1: when you're a small person who just wants to say, "Bless you, Betsy, because you got an A in spelling, you know um, you have to think about, you know, yeah, Betsy, I bless you because you are creative or you are um." you are adventurous. I mean, those those kinds of getting at their intrinsic value and some of the qualities that God has put in them is really, it's important for kids. It's also very difficult. Betsy and I would joke that when we weren't, feeling particularly inspired or if we were feeling annoyed at each other the, the like fallback one was bless you Betsy because you're nice <laughs> you know kind of said with a little
0: yeah, I snark <laughs> yeah and we felt the same thing you know when the children had been they, occasionally wretched you know it's kind of Yeah, you'd have to kind of press deeply in to find, you know, remember that there is this beautiful person that's in front of you, even if they're acting in a wretched way.
1: But this Um, is where the difference between kind of affirming the child's abilities and actions is very different from blessing who they are as as image bearers of God. So. They are receiving affirmation all the time for the things that they do well um, or the things that they do mediocrely, but they get a trophy anyway. But, you know, good job. You're so great at math. Wow, you can really run fast. All the things that they can do. And that is the message that they're getting everywhere else. Um, And so at our dinner table, the message that we're getting is you are loved and accepted and we see these beautiful qualities in you that actually reflect the qualities of God. And so I think the impact of that, um, the obvious one that we're aware of is hearing the spoken blessing of parent to child, which again, so many of us grow up lacking. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing is hearing my parents bless one another, wow. hearing dad bless mom and mom bless dad. I mean, that verbal affirmation of one another is also a profound, it's left a profound mark, you know, deeper in my soul than I can even access of just growing up in an environment where, parents blessed each other and they blessed the kids.
0: Yeah, and the other thing I think that's the fruit of this um, uh, in their lives uh, is that they have grown up to be blessers. Both of my daughters are are blessing people. And, And that's just been wonderful to watch. And that's because of just who they are and the beautiful way that God has made them. But in some part, I think this practice uh, put them in a position to have at least some sense of what that is, because again, it's not something that that is easily practiced, particularly in the West, where we have a fairly cynical culture mm-hmm. or a culture that's into affirmation of action or activity, mm-hmm. yeah, which is fine. I mean, it's it's fine again if it's honest, but but this is something that's that's radically different, mm-hmm. and certainly there was high value that we placed on on this. Uh, particular discipline and, and high value that we communicated to each member of the family. Yeah, the hot seat was sort of like you're on a throne uh, <laughs> for just a few moments and, mm-hmm. and you, are, you are experiencing uh, the, the angels of God saying, make way for this beautiful image of God. And uh, it, it's a wonderful thing. And, and for me to hear my children bless me mm-hmm. uh, was just kind of, uh, I mean, just continue the healing process and in my life. Of, of reminding myself that I am indeed accepted uh, by the beloved. There's nothing quite like hearing your children speak out their love and acceptance or to feel their gentle touch. They see some value in you and that's, that's huge. And uh, to picture a special future, even in your old age, that's hmm. happening these days. Hmm. And that they've made an active commitment to support us all along the way as we have done for them. Uh, so the blessing comes back to us from Sarah and her sister, Betsy, in a thousand ways <laughs> these days.
1: Mm. So we really believe that blessing is um, a practice if you're not um, doing something similar to this, or even just, uh, many of you may be blessers, you know, just in the way that you are, but yeah. to, to be intentional about this practice um, somehow in your in your family life, we really think is a essential way to help kids know how deeply loved and accepted they are. Yeah, this
0: just helped us to get to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you do the blessings probably in a, in a, in a mu- million different ways right. at various times, but at least we knew, okay, here's what we're going to actually, actually make sure that, that there is a blessing.
1: Right, and I remember, you know, I remember this. profoundly so Um, but there are a few other practices um, which can also place us and our children in a place of understanding acknowledging and and really believing that we are accepted and so just wanted to go through each of these uh, faith stages and give a couple more ideas Um, so experiential the experiential stage and again this is um, the stage of faith that is focus primarily on the self and on the actions of faith, learning by doing and um, learning by engaging in spiritual practices. These are for little, little kiddos, um, babies to about age six. So I've talked in in the past couple episodes about sort of little kid liturgies. And what I mean by that are these phrases that become repeated and become sort of ingrained in them that they may not fully understand their meaning, but as they grow up, um, they will. And so uh, one of these kind of acceptance liturgies is a bedtime liturgy that we did more with Noah. We've (laughs) sort of fallen off some of these routines as bedtimes have gotten more complicated with our second. But uh, there was a season where we were saying this little liturgy every single night to Noah as he was going to bed. Um, Noah, who loves you? And he, we'd go through the whole family. Mommy loves you and Daddy loves you. Mimi loves you and Poppy loves you. Baga loves you and Nana loves you. Betsy loves you. Tim loves you. Eric loves you. That's all, you know, aunts and uncles and everybody. <laughs> but who loves you most of all? And then we'd let him answer, Jesus loves me most of all. And so that just little liturgy of the love of god and the acceptance of god um as a family you know every night another little liturgy that i um have enjoyed doing with the boys is a sunblock or lotion liturgy <laughs> so as i'm putting sunblock or lotion on their little bodies um and again right now this is more with my little guy the older one does it himself but Um, you know, saying, Silas, God made this arm. and It is very good. And God made this shoulder and it is very good. And God made your beautiful little toes and they're very good. And he loves this and asks me to do it. You know, can you do the body thing? (laughs) But just to remind him that he's fearfully and wonderfully made and every part of him is very good. Um, And then um, I think this is a phrase that We repeat often in our family. We haven't attached it to any particular practice, but this idea that nothing you can do will make me love you any less and nothing you can do can make me love you any more. So basically, there's absolutely nothing you can do that can change how much I love you and that that is just a phrase that is repeated often in our family. Nothing you can do to make me love you any less or any more. And that is a liturgy of grace that codifies a grace-based relationship between parent and child that actually mirrors our relationship with God. There is absolutely nothing that we can do that will make God love or accept us any less or any more than he already does.
0: Including any of these practices that we're talking about. (laughs) Right,
1: right. Um, So as we move into the affiliative stage, which um, is, again, roughly ages 7 to sort of the preteen, 11-ish, 12-ish years, Um, this stage of the child's faith development is focused primarily on belonging to the family or to the peer group they learn by belonging so i believe in jesus because we as a family believe in jesus and so this is where i think it's helpful to build on that foundation of unconditional love and acceptance that's already established um, through those liturgies by introducing and modeling the idea that acceptance is not the same thing as approval or affirmation and this is a very countercultural idea but I think at this age it's really important to begin distinguishing those things for, for our kids. So for example, um, speaking from sort of the cultural point of view, these ideas are synonymous. If you love someone, that equals acceptance and that equals approval and affirmation for anything that they choose to do. And those those are all kind of the same package deal. If you love me, you accept me and If you accept me, you approve or affirm of all my choices. Mm -hmm. But coming at this concept from the way of Jesus, it looks different. So if you want to imagine this visually, so if my life, my being and doing is represented by a circle and God's love and acceptance is the color red, that entire circle would be red. It's just there's nothing in me that God doesn't love or accept, like I am fully loved and accepted unconditionally. And yet, then we often want that to mean so, if there's another color blue that means um, approval and affirmation, we want God's love that fills every part of us. We want that also to mean that the blue fills all the part of the circle and it just becomes purple. That because God loves and accepts us, He also approves and affirms of us 100 percent but that is actually not the way that god is so while god's love and acceptance is unconditional that red um, his approval and affirmation is not unconditional he approves and affirms only those part parts of our lives that are submitted to his that are holy and so i think what it looks like more is a red circle that has pockets of purple where there's some blue um, but also pockets where there is no blue but the interesting thing is that those pockets where we are the kind of affirmation and approval of God places of our lives that are you know not holy or not submitted to him they're still red we are still unconditionally loved and accepted and that is something that the world doesn't understand at all what does it look like to love someone without 100% approving of or affirming their actions. And I think this is a critical thing that we need to teach our kids because actually the fact that God does not universally extend his approval to everything that we do, that is love. Hmm. And that is a profound and difficult concept. And so I know that was a little bit theoretical, but I think um, at this stage for these kind of elementary school kids, I think introducing this idea, talking about this, disciplining in this way, I'm going to correct you because I love you. And your obedience has absolutely no bearing on your love, but I am not going to give you a blank check to do whatever you want. So I think modeling that, talking about that, um, even drawing them that picture, I think... um, I think that's really important, and I think that learning to help our kids wrestle through places where they are failing, mm-hmm. <laughs> where they are sinful and disobedient, and like working on that with them is really critical. And we know, again, from research that when we step in and don't let them fail or don't let them wrestle with those things, we actually are contributing to um, kind of the pandemic of you know declining resilience and kids who can't mm-hmm. problem solve. And anyway, yeah. I could. Go on a long soapbox yeah. here, but I yeah. think it's really important to model in this uh, in this stage the difference between affirming behavior and approving yeah. of the child.
0: That that whole teaching there is just so critical, particularly when children move into the searching stage of faith. Because you know, one of the things that's hard I think for us uh, when we think of our kids or our grandkids is that they're that they might end up being unacceptable or unaccepted or lonely and so yeah. on and you know certainly uh, you know as a child moves into that uh, kind of affiliative stage and doesn't fit and then they move into the searching stage where they're asking questions why you know why does this happening why don't people like me and so mm-hmm. on uh, this is where the searching stage which is kind of adolescence if you will is when kids really get in touch with the non accepting quality of the world in which they live and, And for some kids, uh, there's an awareness of that, having a a racist base, you know, that they're just not, they're not accepted because of uh, how God has made them and so on. So there's going to be a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of questions about the brokenness in their life and the brokenness of the world, perhaps some accusations about their parents' part in this and how, you know, they're not accepting and you're not and so on, etc., So you know, a spiritual discipline that's really critical at that stage, having to do with communicating acceptance, is the practice, the discipline of listening, Mm -hmm. of being able to listen uh, to your children and listening well, uh, and listening without offering answers to the questions or a defense of the self. You know, you just kind of want to, you want to fend off when 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 questions are asked that have an accusatory nature to them. Uh, just think back to your own adolescence, perhaps. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I entertained such things. I didn't speak of them often, but it was sure swirling around inside of me. And, and for those questions that may seem to be just a little bit snarky, uh, we try to listen for what, what some have called the hidden heart of the question. It may be the hurt uh, that's inside of that, or the pain, or the genuine searching for the truth that's in there, but it just comes out snarky. And, and so you can react to the snarkiness, or you can try to listen, uh, refraining from kind of, you know, pushing back or kind of, you know, don't talk to me that way, those kind of things, um, or belittling their struggles, their doubts, their fears, and allow them simply to be with such questions and such difficult things, and to gently encourage them by word, if not more than by example, to trust God with such unanswered questions, uh, if if we can do that, then we can perhaps help them to move towards the one whose loving presence helps us in time of struggle uh, with issues of acceptance. Yeah, acceptance for adolescents is just, it's a difficult question since uh, questioning faith by its very nature raises the deep need for the independent self and questions about the reality of brokenness and sin and it's really hard to communicate acceptance at this stage, but nonetheless, listening can go a long, long mm-hmm. way to at least, if nothing else, it lays a foundation for what might develop in the future. At least they listen to me, mm-hmm. uh, even if they were idiots and didn't understand <laughs> what, I was, what I was dealing with. Now, obviously, when we move into owned faith, which is where we hope we're headed, and that's not a static thing any, in any way for, shall we say, adult uh, faith, uh, but it should be marked uh, by acceptance, both received and given. It's especially true if such a faith can range out in confidence, uh, virtue we're going to talk about in the next month's issue, ranging out to connect with people who are not in our usual acceptance circle. Uh, that there's a sense in which we find out, wow, uh, people... Actually, are, there's that red circle that's over everybody. Yes. And, and I can be with people who previously I would have put in my non-acceptance place. And uh, yeah, there truly are, uh, shall we say, not to get political, but there are no deplorables, uh, if we will. Even though we're all deplorable, we're all irreparably, uh, humanly speaking, irreparably marred by sin we are nonetheless overwhelmed by the grace and mercy of God that puts this red circle over us and says, I love you uh, enough to uh, come to this place to be with you and and to die for you. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's one of the amazing marks of the life of Jesus, that there was nobody that he met, even those who vigorously opposed him, who he opposed vigorously back, but they were objects of his mercy and grace. Think of the Apostle Paul who was probably a religious terrorist, which he would be called today, who was nonetheless uh, loved as Saul Mm. uh, by God uh, and ultimately brought into a place of receiving that acceptance.
1: Mm. So yeah, we'd love to invite you now to join us um, in conversation in our private Facebook group. Um, You can search for People of the Way on Facebook or go to peopleoftheway.org and you can um, find a link there. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. How have you wrestled with this concept? Where has your um, kind of desire to follow Jesus and to encourage your kids to follow Jesus come into conflict with the culture around the ideas of acceptance. Um, what practices have you found that have helped your kids to rest in their unconditional um, belovedness? Um, we'd just love to hear ideas. We'd love to hear your questions. We'd love to begin a conversation.
0: So we hope we will see you next month, March 2020, when we'll look at the virtue of confidence, confidence in God, confidence in ourselves, in God, that which should naturally flow out of our being forgiven and accepted in the beloved and in each other. So join us then for the People of the Way podcast.